Today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, for the joy that we experience as the West Virginians lead us, we are grateful. And for the way in which your word, embodied in the person of Jesus, holds together the life of joy and a life of lament and pain. We are grateful. And we pray that in that connection and in that tension and in that reality, you may teach us and lead us today toward faithful, more faithful living and toward a better understanding and appreciation and love for Jesus and all that he has done for us. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. The dictionary definition of lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Lament is deeper than sadness, although it involves sadness. A lament is deeper than being angry about something, although perhaps at times it is included in in lament. Lament is is, is about a, a deep soul, heartfelt anguish when something is not right, uh, when something is so painful and in our own strength we can do nothing to change it, uh, lament expresses the depth of our pain. And lament, biblical lament at its best, expresses that pain without leading to despair. Lament, biblically at its best, starts with an honest articulation before God of what's in our hearts and then leads to a deeper trust in God as we move forward, not always knowing the way forward, but trusting that Jesus is with us every step of the way. And so Jesus, as the cross approaches, as the time when he will go to Jerusalem approaches, expresses lament over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Not willing to embrace the love that Jesus has for you. Not willing to love God and love people the way we were created to love. Uh, Not willing to 
let go of the desire to control all things and live in faith and trust in the Lord. How I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her brood, not willing to rest in the arms of the Lord. Jesus, we're not told that there are tears in his eyes when he says this, but we can imagine that they could be. There is this heartfelt soul ache, this anguish in these words that Jesus says, and you were not willing. And so in this anguish, in this expression of grief, Jesus does many things. One of the things he does is he gives us not just permission, but encouragement to be honest about what's in our hearts. Before the Father and in the presence of the Spirit, God the Son expresses the anguish of the triune God. You were not willing. And so in many areas, in many times, at many places in our lives, there is deep grief or anguish or pain that resides in our hearts. Jesus sets the example for us that it is faithful and good, it is healthy, it is right to express this grief, this anguish in the form of lament. It was a beautiful spring day. I was traveling alone from Sanford, North Carolina to Richmond, Virginia to visit my grandfather who was in the hospital. We'd been told that his illness was not serious, that he wouldn't be in the hospital for long, and that turned out to be true. And so as I was driving, I wasn't particularly worried for my granddad, even though I was praying for him. But I was also enjoying the ride, enjoying the scenery, uh, planning the next week in my mind as I was praying through, listening to the radio, all those kinds of things. And I got to the hospital in Richmond, found his room, took one step into the room and immediately turned around and walked into the restroom and cried for 10 minutes. It wasn't because I was unfamiliar or uncomfortable being in hospital rooms. I'd been in hundreds of them as a pastor. It was because of who was in that hospital room and who was in that hospital bed, my granddad, who I loved. And so, out of nowhere, it seemed, just the sight of him, even though I knew he was going to be okay, just the sight of him in that bed brought forth tears, lament. And so it was good and it was right to remove myself from the situation for a moment and just let that grief and that lament flow and having done that I could return to his room and we had a wonderful visit and so Jesus as he is very open as he is very transparent as he doesn't hold back his sense of grief or pain or hurt or lament Jesus sets an example for us in this passage to be who we are before God and to allow the depth of our pain to flow and to be expressed before others if need be, but certainly before our Lord who is with us in that lament. 
But Jesus does far more in this passage than give us permission to grieve and lament when there are deep things of personal pain that occur in our lives. For his lament is not just a, a, an example of him expressing his emotions, though it is that. His lament in this passage is very much a part of his mission, of his fulfilling his mission. Notice the rhythm or the, the chronology of this passage. First, Jesus uh, speaks words that are to be said to Herod. Go and tell that fox that I'm going to complete my mission in three day, on the third day, a reference to his resurrection. And then he talks about how prophets are killed, they're stoned, they're rejected in Jerusalem. He speaks of his crucifixion, of his suffering. And it's only then, after he states these things, after he states what his mission is and makes the confirmation, the commitment that he will fulfill his mission, it's after these things that he begins to lament over Jerusalem, you were not willing. He could have stated, here's the mission, and I'm going to fulfill it, and he could have skipped the lament and gone straight forward towards what he needed to do to get to Jerusalem and to face and bear the sins of the world as he died on the cross. No need, it seems, in terms of the mission to pause and lament, but maybe, just maybe, that lament towards the end of the passage is just as much a part of the mission as his confirmation that he will go to Jerusalem to die. For in his lament over Jerusalem, Jesus reveals part of what motivates the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to work our salvation in the first place. God looks upon humanity's sinfulness and the mess that we have made of things and doesn't just send Jesus to redeem us out of necessity or out of requirement or simply because God can or even to fulfill all that God desires for the world, although that is true. God sends Jesus to suffer and die for the sins of the world because of the anguish in God's heart over our failure to live as we were created to live. The journey of Jesus from heaven to earth and to the cross and to the resurrection is a journey fueled by lament, the anguished pain and hurt in the heart of God that we human beings have failed to return and live by the love out of which our Creator made us. Lament. It's not just an emotion. It's not just Jesus showing his human side when he says, you were not willing in anguish. It's part of the depth of his motivation in living and dying and being raised for us. So then, Jesus sets the example for lament, not just to give us permission to mourn when we feel pain, but Jesus' lament in this passage shapes the way we participate in the work of God in the world. When we encounter, when we witness, when we walk with people who have no interest in God, or perhaps have encountered Jesus somewhere along the way and have turned away from him, 
when we walk with people who are living in ways that are far from how God would desire them to live, is our first response to dismiss or to judge them? Or is our first response to lament for them before God? To be filled with deep pain and anguish because of the choices they are making that move them away from the life that God has for them. If Jesus' lament is part of his movement into the world, then as we seek to love people, we are called to lament as well. When we see people in pain, people dealing with brokenness, people who have had all kinds of strikes against them in life, it is good and it is right, this instinct within us to help, even to fix. But only God can fix. God uses us, no doubt. We are vessels. But in order to be vessels through which God can truly bless others, can we first lament the pain and brokenness that a person feels? I believe that when we are able to lament over someone's situation, then we are in position to better pray for them, and we're in position to be used of the Spirit to bless them. We're in the season of Lent, faith, hope, and charity, faith, hope, and love. And part of the Lenten journey is for us to examine our own hearts and to confess our sins and to name the ways in which we've fallen short of the love of Christ. And our passage today invites us in the midst of confession to lament over our sins to feel not just guilt because we've done something wrong, but to lament because we've hurt the heart of God by our failure to love. We, we not only confess the ways that we consistently fall short of God's glory over and over and over again, but we lament for ourselves that in our sinfulness somehow We've been unable to open ourselves to the Spirit, and thus we've failed to live this flourishing life, abundant life that God has called us to live. And in this season where we examine our brokenness, our own brokenness, and our own pain, let us lament over that. The ways that others have harmed us, the ways that we have been unable to overcome obstacles. Lament is a part of entering into our brokenness. Dreams have not been fulfilled. Life for many of us has not turned out the way that we wanted it to turn out. The season has not progressed the way we'd like. And so Jesus invites us to lament. And the good news of the gospel is lament at its best leads not to despair, but it leads to a deeper trust in God. Nowhere is this more in play, I believe, than when we look at this incredible world of pain, when we look beyond our own lives of pain and sin and, and look at the pain of this world and the mess that we have made of things and we wonder, we wonder, how will it ever change? 
much. And so we lament. And in our lament, we are turned to Jesus. In verse 35, Jesus speaks very familiar words. He says, um, I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We rightly, automatically think towards Palm Sunday. These are words that the crowds say at the triumphal entry as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. But many scholars think, think that's not what Jesus has in mind. Instead of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, many think that what he's saying here, he's pointing to his triumphal re-entry into the world at his second coming, the time when he will come to make all things new and fully establish the kingdom of God. And when we think of our own pain and our own disappointment and the, the pain of the world and the struggles of the world, lament without a vision of Jesus making all things new could easily lead to despair. But lament offered in the light of the coming of Christ to establish God's kingdom becomes a participation in the hope that Jesus brings through his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his return. Frederick Douglass was born in slavery. In the 1840s, he escaped and became one of the best-known abolitionists, not only in the United States, but in England. And he went through, observed, uh, and celebrated as the Civil War brought about emancipation and the end of slavery and jubilee for the slaves. And then after the war, he endured another 30 years of life where the, the jubilee of freedom was chipped away piece by piece during reconstru Reconstruction. As, as our nation failed to build on that victory and establish true, true freedom and true liberty for all. And by the time of his death, the year of his death, lynching had come about in horrendous ways. And he was advocating against this horrible evil. But in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of this disappointment, Here's what he said in the last year of his life. As things are, we can only labor and wait in the belief that God reigns in eternity and that all things work together for good. And so when we look at a world desperate with pain and suffering, when we look at our own struggles in our lives, when we see evidence of people still not willing to love their neighbors as themselves, and when we see evidence of this in our own lives, when the kingdom seems so far away, we practice lament that things are not as they should be. And we continue to labor and wait and trust that all things will work together for good and that one day Jesus will come and fully establish God's kingdom. Because of that promise, we can truly enter into lament as scary as it may be, and it leads us not to despair, it leads us to hope. And finally, as we lament with hope in mind, our lament leads us to Jesus. 
it leads us to Jesus. What a wonderful image he gives us in the passage, like a a hen, a mother hen, gathering her brood under her wings. So I have longed to gather you, O Jerusalem, and you are not willing. The question for us is, are we willing to be gathered under the wings of Jesus? Are we willing to run to his wings? Are we willing to live and rest under his wings? Even as we lament the pain and suffering in our world and in our own lives. We were traveling back to Alicia's parents' house in Atlanta. We'd been visiting extended family in the North Georgia mountains. I was asleep in the front seat of the car. Alicia's father was driving, and it was one of those wonderful rests when you've eaten way too much and somebody else is responsible for getting you home, and you're just in a blissful state. My blissful state was interrupted when Granddad nudged me from afar and pointed over my shoulder for me to look out the passenger side window of the car and I looked up again half awake my eyes just kind of glazed over and I saw what appeared to be a giant chicken in the sky I you know did this and focused and just off the interstate was it wasn't a chain restaurant it was some local restaurant fast food chicken place that had this humongous statue of a chicken on top of its building with wings spread. Well, I was fascinated by that chicken, so the next day I drove back to it, uh, and it didn't have its intended, intended effect upon me. I didn't go in and buy a chicken sandwich like they wanted me to. But I did notice that when the sun was shining just right and you were on the other side of the sun, the shadow created by those wings covered a whole city block and you could find shade from the Georgia heat under the wings of that giant chicken. And so the wings of Jesus are large enough to cover your life. The wings of Jesus are large enough to cover our church. They're large enough for the whole world to gather under. Will we lament all the people who refuse or for whatever reason are unable to gather under his wings? Will we lament a world that is unwilling to love as we were made to love and lament the mess that causes? And will we lament the ways in which we've fallen short of God's glory and lament our own pain and broken dreams and hurt? Well, true lament is to express that deep anguish, but to do so not in despair, but to do so that comes from the hope of Jesus' presence with us, which means lament leads us under the wings of Jesus where we rest and we find strength and courage to live the lives we've been called to live and to do the work we've been called to do as we wait until that day 
when Jesus returns to make all things new. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, for a world in pain, we lament. For those in Africa right now, suffering from the cyclone, words cannot express, words from us cannot express what they are going through. And so we simply lament and we pray for And we rejoice that even in that pain, there you are, Jesus, inviting people under your wings of care. We lament over the pain all around us in our city, in our state, in our country. We lament the pain and disappointment in our own lives. And we pray that in so doing, you would move us away from despair and closer and closer to the wings of Jesus and his love. We thank you for the witness and example of Jesus who always shows us the way. And we thank you 